Aloha. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's guest is Rafael Barlow from NBADraftJunkies.com and one of our new hosts on Locked On NBA Draft. He hosts uh, the, that podcast on Monday and Thursday, our new podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store. And find one of our Locked On Rooms, Locker Room, Changing the Way We Talk Sports. Raphael, it's great to have you on board. Welcome to the Locked On Podcast Network family, and, and welcome to the Big Board Podcast. Thank you for having me. I've followed your work for years, so um, when you reached out to me, I was kind of like looking at my phone like, this is the real Chad Ford reaching out to me. So it's always cool to talk basketball with someone. Like I said, I've been following your work for a while. I've been really impressed with both the podcast stuff you're doing and for our listeners that want more NBA draft, that that podcast runs runs daily, uh, Monday through Friday. Uh, Raphael's the host on Mondays and Thursdays. And wanted to start with your background, your journey of becoming a draft analyst and, and an expert in the draft, and, and especially something that I think you've been known for lately, and, and frankly, where I got my start many years ago is on scouting international draft prospects. Yeah, so how I got my start would say, I guess you can say it started with the Texas Legends. I was an intern with the Texas Legends in the G League. It was the D League at the time. Um, but actually, before that, I, I had a quick stint with like the Fort Worth Flyers, and that was, I don't know, maybe 2004, 2005-ish. And then I kind of got out the, you know, just working in sports is tough and I ended up, you know, getting a regular job, but I wanted to get back into it. And then from the legends, I knew that I wanted to work in scouting, but I knew that I needed to do something a little bit different. So I ended up doing video projects, learn how to be a videographer. I learned how to, I ended up doing some skills training for, for different guys, just kind of lucked my way into that. But the big break for me was I was actually in Paris with my parents and I tweeted it was just a, a tweet that says, man, I love living. I love being abroad. I would love the experience to live in Europe. And I got a, a text maybe like 10 minutes later from a, a good friend of mine, Brandon Greer, who is an NBA agent. He says, you would really like to do that? And I said, yeah. So he said, I might have something for you. That was in June. Fast forward to September. I was living in Istanbul, Turkey. Um, I was doing some video projects for Epe Udo. And at the time, I had just started the website, and I wanted to figure out a way to make myself a little bit different. And I had the opportunity to live in Europe and watch different um, prospects, like scouting, like the Adidas Next Generation Tournament. And then that was 2016. So that was the year I think they had some issues in Turkey. And they ended up having the FIBA under-18s in December. And I went to that tournament. It was my first time traveling within Turkey by myself. And I went to that tournament. And that was the tournament where Frank Nilakina, Sekou Dumbuya, um, Isaiah Hartenstein, uh, Jean and Musa played in that tournament. And so I just remember taking notes from there. And I thought, like, you know what? I may have a niche being this American that knows the international prospects in and out. So I just kind of went from there. It's really interesting. When I was uh, just starting at ESPN, uh, one of my ideas, and this is this is way back. This is like in 2002, uh, was to as a journalist travel with international scouts uh, around the world and and see these prospects. It used to be the case that for the most part, 
you know, when international prospects were drafted in the draft, you'd see a little bit of grainy footage and you'd have a really very basic sort of scouting report that you'd hear on draft night, but you didn't know a lot about them. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I just decided we should know more um, about them. And uh, it, you know, it turned out the first guy that I scouted, uh, Nicholas Gitsavili, turned out to not be much of a mm-hmm. great NBA player, mm-hmm. um, though it did end up developing a great relationship with Mike D'Antoni, who was a coach um, at the time at Benetton uh, in, in Treviso and and uh, then made his move back to the NBA. Um, but then the next year was the Darko Milicic uh, draft and, uh, you know, going over and scouting him right alongside NBA scouts. Uh, I fell in love with the international game as well. It's difficult, I found, to, uh, and I, I've always found this to be the case, to always accurately project international players in the NBA. I've, I've been doing this a while and have a handful of massive busts and a handful of massive surprises uh, on, uh, you know, on my hands with this. And so as, as we approach this year's draft, which I think in general NBA teams say isn't the strongest international draft, but there's some intriguing prospects, I thought it'd be worth having a conversation with you today. I, I just wrote a story about it uh, on, on my website, www.nbabigboard.com. Uh, dot com international men of mystery but yeah i'll start with this idea that three of the season's top four nba players and win shares and that's a stat that measures uh, how many wins a player produces are nikola Djokic, uh, rudy gorbet and Giannis antetokounmpo they're all international players who do not play college ball Jokic was drafted in the second round uh gobert was drafted in the late first round antetokounmpo just outside of the lottery and so, I mean, these are massive misses for NBA teams when you think about how productive these players are. And even Luka Doncic uh, was was uh, passed by three teams. Uh, one one was the Hawks, who who traded down, uh, and now he's already a two time All Star. But then on the other hand, you've got Dragan Bender, Dante Exum, uh, Delakina, Jan Vesely, Mario Hazonia, uh, Darko Milicic. I mean, we could go on and on and on of players that were drafted really highly in the draft but turned out uh, to really not be productive um, in the NBA. So this is this is hard. And I'm, I'm curious what your perspective is on why it seems to be a bit harder in translating what we see from the international players who don't come over and play college ball or don't come over and play in the U.S. first. Uh, why is it so hard to get this right? Well, I think it's hard to get the draft right, period. True. I, I say if you, you look at Derek Williams, he was the second pick. And he's out of the league right now. He's he's playing in Europe. You look at um, Hashim Tabit. I mean, you can look at different guys that the NBA scouts had 30 to 50 games of college basketball to watch them, and they still weren't able to get it right. So I, I guess my biggest issue is, is that, you know, the Darko draft hurt all international prospects, highly rated prospects, because everyone is going to automatically just kind of assume, you know, his, his name sticks. It, it's it, like, you know, you, you heard it often when Luca was, you know, being highly regarded, even Rubio. I feel like Rubio has had a great NBA career. I mean, he's been a starter for almost 10 years, which is very hard to do, but a lot of people generally don't think that he's lived up to the hype that he had coming in to you know his draft year but I just think it's it's hit or miss regardless whether the prospect is born in Serbia or born in Chicago it's a great point uh and and I think it it, it's exacerbated by 
the the lack of exposure. I mean, and this year is particularly challenging because many of the main decision makers in the NBA were not cleared to travel over to Europe because of the strict COVID protocols that the NBA put in place this season until just recently. And so everything is based off of, you know, game film, which we have a lot more of today than we have forever. But I think for a lot of teams, it's it's seeing guys in person, um, watching practice, um, being able to collect information as well about these prospects and, and trying to understand how not just their games, but does their personality and everything else translate over to the U.S.? And so it's going to be an interesting draft this year because I, I think at least the feel that I get from talking to scouts and especially higher level decision makers in the NBA is that there there's some concern uh, about just what kind of handle that they have on these prospects. And, and then we're going to top it off because we're going to talk about these prospects in, in a minute. Uh, they, they all are really in their own ways, unique prospects with some really high ceiling stuff to their game and some really scary floor stuff uh, to their game. There's no sure thing. I think I could at least say that um, in this in this year's draft with the international prospects. Do you agree with that? Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. But, you know, even with Luca, there was a lot of people that had doubts. And I feel like I had an advantage because I was living over there at the time. I had a chance to watch him play. And then I was there at the um, Euro basket where he was like, really put on a show so i did not have any doubts but you know as you remember getting close to draft time you know you saw he was too slow you know he and so i think you know i think if people doubted him with a great body of work that he had then you know everyone's going to have some concerns yeah that was crazy i i was i was on my espn hiatus during that time but that that one was a hard one for me to understand i i get that you know he he doesn't have the greatest lateral quickness in the world um, but, but as far as like elite basketball prospects go, it's, he, he was incredible. I, I loved him and thought he should have been the first pick in the draft. Well, look, when we, yeah. when we, when we come back, we're, uh, Raphael and I are going to talk about, uh, our top international prospect for the 2021 NBA draft. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA big board on the lockdown podcast network. This episode is brought to you by locker room. Locker room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about the league. You'll find fans just like you on Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and of course, reacting to big news or rumors. You can even find locked-on hosts across the NBA, MLB, and NHL. Go download the free Locker Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group for the latest league updates. I know you will find a ton of incredible rooms around your favorite teams and leagues. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk about sports. And we are back. I'm with Raphael Barlow from NBADraftJunkies.com. Has a new podcast, Locked On NBA Draft. He hosts it on Monday and Thursday. Uh, we got his backstory in the first segment. Talked a little bit about scouting international prospects overall. Now we're going to dive into the 2021 NBA Draft. 
and some of the top international prospects here. And I'm just curious, I'm going to let you lead here. Who's your favorite international prospect in this draft? This is tough because it switches every other day. It's it's between Usman Garuba from Real Madrid. Um, I like Alperen Shingun from Besiktas side of Turkey. And then Josh Giddy is his name also needs to be mentioned there. As of today, I think I'll go with I'll go with Garuba. He started off as as my number one uh, at the beginning of the season. I think that best case scenario, he could be like a Paul Millsaps type player. I think that he's already a high level defender. I think that he's going to be able to defend multiple positions in the NBA. He's a little bit undersized at six eight, but he has a long wingspan. I think he's a pretty good athlete. But the fact that he's able to play minutes and they trust him at Real Madrid playing in the EuroLeague at such a young age, to me, that that's really impressive. If you look at past NBA um, uh, international prospects, a lot of them, I shouldn't even say a lot of them, a few of them were on EuroLeague teams, but there were some that weren't actually rotation players. He's actually in their rotation. He's playing. And I think that should translate well for him. And that's such a unique thing when you're talking at the level of a Real Madrid. And it was one of the things people were pointing to with Doncic as well. It's it's not just that they're getting minutes, but they're getting minutes on an elite club uh, in Europe, meaningful minutes. And in Doncic's case, he was dominating. Uh, and, you know, Garuba is 19 years old uh, right now. And he got minutes last season uh, as well for them. And this is not normally the case especially with these elite clubs because they're not into developing young players they're into uh, winning winning championships because they know when these young players develop they're it's not like it's not like an nba team you know developing a rookie who's going to be with them a long-term contract they're leaving for the nba uh they they know that so they're developing them for somebody else and so it it says something about him that he's able to get on the floor. He's undersized, but has a reported 7-2 wingspan. That's going to make up for some of that. Uh, I see all the defensive potential there to be a defensive monster in the NBA. What about his offensive game? Well, I think that he has the athleticism. I think that he he could have a role as just kind of like this energy guy that gets a lot of junk baskets off of dump-offs. He has shown some ability to knock down corner threes, and he's also had a few plays that I've been impressed with. He put the ball on the floor and made a couple quick decisions. I really like him as a passer, though. I really like the, his passing instincts and his feel. I mean, I don't think he's going to be like a superstar, but I think he's going to be like this ideal role player glue guy that plays winning basketball that has the intangibles to just kind of fill up the stat sheet. I think he'll rebound. I think he'll make winning plays. I think he'll, he'll pass the ball. He'll run the floor. So I'm, that's why I'm high on him just because I think that his game and skill set would translate to any system because I project him to be a high level role player. Where would you draft him right now? As far as a draft range goes, like what's appropriate given, given this draft. And I know you're scouting a lot more than just the international prospects. So given this draft, Where's the appropriate range? Where does he like sit on your board? I have him in mid to late, well, mid first round at best case scenario, late lottery, but I have him somewhere between about 13 through 20. But I feel like with this draft, six through 20 is, is all over the place. So it's not a, a much of a hot take. There. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely after you get past that first five, though, I, I think there's, 
I think there's some players that are starting to solidify themselves as top 10 picks. Uh, you're right. There's a lot of variability there. I have them a little bit lower on my board just talking to NBA teams. I expect that we'll see some shift as they get over to Europe uh, and really get a better feel. I think everybody's a little bit gun shy from the NBA perspective right now on the international prospects. I think they feel more familiar and more confident with the American prospects right now. But that that you may see some significant shift upwards as we get um, closer to the draft and they get some time over in Europe. Uh, let's talk uh, about Singen uh, out of Turkey. Is he is he your number two guy or or is he? Uh... Yeah, uh, he's, he's he's my number two right now. As of today, like I said, it's, it's been changing and fluctuating the past few weeks. What's interesting is I saw him and Garuba play head to head in the 2019, I think it was the under 18s. And when I saw him at that time, I thought, man, this this guy is good. I did not see the progression. I, I did not see him as a potential, you know, I've seen him on the lottery in, in some mock drafts. I just did not see. It. I thought he was, you know, the touch was there, you know, the the wide body frame. I thought he had good footwork, but he slimmed down a little bit. And the season that he's having right now is, I mean, it is really remarkable because I feel like as far as domestic leagues in Europe, I think that the ACB is the best. And then I feel like maybe the, the Turkish league is the second best league. And you can make a case right now and say he is the best player in the Turkish league, the best big. So, um, I mean, just as far as like the touch, the passing, the footwork, unfortunately for him, he was born in the wrong era. I think if this were 2001 instead of 2021, he'd be considered a top five pick, but I really like him. And I, I really think that if he can expand his range and become a, a, a more reliable outside shooter, which he may be able to do. You just probably won't get a chance to see him do that for Besiktas right now, but I'm, I'm really high on him. Yeah, those those historic numbers that you're talking about, uh, nearly 20 points a game uh, for a player who is uh, 18 years old right now. He's not. He hasn't even turned 19. He's one of the youngest players in the draft. Near uh, Nine rebounds a game. Uh, two and a half assists a game, a block and a half a game, shooting sixty four percent is effective field goal percentage right now, and you you can't deny it. It's like something you have to watch really carefully. When young players produce at this level in Europe, you have to pay attention to them because this is you know they're playing against men every night. They're playing against professionals. They're playing against Americans uh, on these teams and and able to put up these numbers. But when you you know when you watch him, I think you you made the point right. If this was two thousand and one, <laughs> I get it. Uh, but in in two thousand twenty one, uh, he's a he's a tough translation for me because he's he kind of you know gets everything around the rim. He's 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 amazing uh, when he's in the paint. Uh, but he's shooting 17 percent from three. Uh, that's a red flag uh, one. Uh, his free throw percentage is better, which is which is which is good. Um, he doesn't have the athleticism like we more normally think of our big guys to be able to go out and guard up people in the perimeter. Doesn't have you know the quick feet, the explosive athleticism. What's his best case scenario given what we know about the NBA today? Like who does he compare to that you could look at and say, okay, he could have a career like this given how skilled he is. 
Um, but given his lack of elite athleticism, elite size for position, you know, maybe if he's seven two or seven three, this this plays out a little differently for him. Uh, where do you? What's a good comp for him? I, I kind of don't like the lazy comparison of European to European, but I think that if Yusef Nurkic can be a starting center on a you know quality NBA team, I, I think that he can have a role similar to that. They're both. You know, good touch around. They both have good touch around the rim, wide frame, good footwork. Um, and then um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that could be a, a a decent comparison. I feel like, well, I'm a Blazers fan. I feel like if Nurkic was able to stretch the floor a little more, it would help the Blazers offense out also. But, you know, he's only 18 and he'll he'll still be 18 on draft day. As the last time I checked, the free throw percentage is in the. Yes, 78 percent. Yeah. Yeah, he has the touch, especially around the rim. I mean, the, the shots that he makes around the rim is requires a lot of touch. So I think that he has the touch to where he should be able to expand his range, and I think that will help him out a lot as far as being a, a center in the modern NBA. One thing I think we have to be careful with with him is I've heard some people go, in my opinion, too far and say, well, look, you know, people said the same thing about Nikola Jokic. Uh, you know, coming out like not a great athlete, you know, kind of lumbering big man, you know, how he's going to, how's he going to translate? It's one of the reasons he slides into the second round. But Jokic was a wizard as a passer. Uh, his his basketball skill set, even in Europe before he came over, was extensive everywhere um, on the floor. And that's just not the case with, with Singun. I, I, don't, I don't see the same level of like basketball savant is probably one way to call Jokic uh, that that you see in Singun. So I don't think it's fair to say, hey, you know, you look at Jokic, who, who may very well win MVP uh, in of the league this year, and say, you know, if he can make it, so can Singun, because I think there's something different there. Yes, I, I agree. I mean, I, that's why I didn't want to throw the comparison out because it's it's tough to compare a kid to an MVP. But I feel like if you compare them at the same stages, you know, it, it's obvious like Singun is, is, has had a better career in Europe as far as at the same stage. But I think that his passing is good. I mean, not on Jokic's level, but there's a play that comes to mind where he was dribbling the ball up the court. I want to say he was on the left side in transition and he turned his back and whipped a behind the back pass to a, to a cutter for a layup. And just the one, the confidence to pull off that pass and the creativity. And and so I, he's had a few other passes where it, it made me realize, like, okay, I think that his potential as a as a guy that you can give the ball to in the post and when double teams come, he can make plays for others is pretty high. So and I also think that he can make plays in the middle of the floor. Like if he's on a team where they're trapping the point guard, you can give him the ball at the at the free throw line and he he'll be able to possibly put the ball on the floor and maybe able to to find different cutters also. So I, I like his upside as a playmaker, but, you know, comparing him to Jokic, who's, I mean, you can make a case and say outside of Arvidas Sabonis is already the, the best passing big man in NBA history. That's a stretch for me. Where would you, where, where's your draft range for him right now? I think that like, well, you mentioned that with, NBA scouts being able to go over there now, I think his stock could rise. And fortunately for him and Garuba, by them playing in Turkey and Spain, those seasons last pretty long until like sometimes June, late June. So they have a few months 
to go scout them. But I also feel like he's in the same range. I think that he could also, you know, end up being a lottery pick. So, for example, if you're the Oklahoma City Thunder, I, I think you if you end up with a lottery pick, which more than likely they will, a um, few of them, I, I think you take a chance on him regardless of what you're picking. All right, let's talk about the guy who's number one on my uh, – Singun was number two on my board of, of international prospects. The number one guy on my board, Josh Giddy, uh, the 6'8 wing point guard, depending on what you want to call him, out of Australia. Another really young prospect uh, just uh, is, is doesn't turn 19 until October, uh, is uh, having a big year uh, in Australia right now for the Adelaide 36ers. What do you think about him and his draft prospects? I, you know, coming into this season, I thought that he was a, a player that was going to get a lot of NBA looks, but because of his age, I thought he would return for another year. But the way he's been playing lately, it's it's a no-brainer for him to enter his name in the NBA draft. He's had a great year, and really, you can say it's comparable to Lamelo's year last year in Australia. He's a great passer, fun to watch. At, at the very minimum, he's he's fun to watch. Um, he's just a wizard with the basketball. He's. I had a chance to to watch him at the Basketball Without Borders at the NBA NBA All Star Weekend last year. And you know, one of the first things that stood out to me was he was really really slow, lacked ideal athleticism, but he was able to just make everyone around him better in those games. And at the end of the day, that's, that's really, you know, the most important thing I feel like for a point guard, are you making everyone better? Are you making the game easier for your teammates? And that's something that he does. He seems like he's a triple, triple double threat every night. Uh, a player who's going to rebound, pass the ball, uh, can score in multiple ways. Um, Jump shot seems to be the swing skill for him, um, right? And what he can become at the next level. He's also not a, a super explosive athlete, though. At his size, some of that gets mitigated. Uh, what do you think? What do you think he needs to do to to become an elite prospect in the NBA? Well, like you mentioned, the swing skill is the shooting. I don't think he's going to be able to do much about like the lack of burst and um, you know athleticism. But I feel like he needs to speed up his shot. I think it's like a, a slower shot that makes it a little bit even more difficult to shoot a higher percentage, especially if, you know, um, because the shot is so slow, I think sometimes it can turn somewhat of an open look into a contested shot. Um, and then I feel like there also are times where he's not looking to score, where he's driving to pass and teams are going to be able to to sit on that and understand that he's not really looking to attack the rim obviously getting stronger but of, of course you can say that because he's only 18 years old so I think once he gets stronger he'll be able to you know be better at finishing through contact and um, you know just becoming a better shooter which will open everything up because I feel like in today's NBA if you're not a threat to shoot it, it kind of limits what you can do as a point guard because teams are going to go under your screens and um you know, I feel like the best passers in the NBA from your LeBrons to James Harden to Luka, the reason why they're so dangerous as passers is because they're also a threat to score. So I think for him, that's the, the next step for him. I, I find him really intriguing. Uh, maybe he's the prospect that you see like just this 
this crazy upside if sort of everything clicks for him uh, at a certain way. I have him. I have him as a potential lottery pick. I think he's going to get drafted somewhere between eight and fifteen. Where Where are you comfortable having him drafted? On my last mock, I had him down to twenty one, um, and it's not because I'm, I'm holding anything uh, against him. I just feel like with the shooting that uh it, it's it's a big concern like as of now well, the last numbers i saw was about 31 percent from three the free throw percentage isn't great also it's in the the mid 60s last time i checked so i think that is potentially an issue because like i mentioned in if you're a point guard if you're not a real threat to score i think it just kind of limits your your potential as a as a playmaker All right. When we come back, we'll talk about other international prospects uh, that could be uh, drafted in the 2021 NBA draft. You're listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Locked On Podcast Network. I want to talk about our new sponsor, rockauto.com. It's a family business. It's been serving auto parts to customers online for 20 years. And if you think about chain stores and they have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers, RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody. They're reliably low. They offer the lowest possible prices rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. You quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and then you choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. And we're back with Raphael Barlow, NBADraftJunkies.com, host of the Locked On NBA Draft podcast on the Locked On Network. He, he's the host on Monday and Thursdays. I'm Chad Ford. You can go look at my stuff on International Men of Mystery on NBABigBoard.com. We've just talked about the top three prospects, I think, on both of our boards in this draft, international prospects, Josh Giddy. Uh, Alperen Singun, uh, Usman Garuba. Who's the next guy on your board as far as international prospect? And my board, I'm swinging for the fences here, but I'm going with Friends Blindberg from Belgium. I think that he has a tremendous upside. He's 6'10". He can handle. He can shoot a little bit. He moves very well. He's fluid. And I think that he is like, a wild card. If he pans out, then I think a team has a a, a big time steal. 
But I, I just really love the fact that he's a 6'10 playmaker, plays with a little bit of flash and flair to his game. And I just think that he has the versatility that that um, NBA teams covet. Where would you be comfortable drafting him? I have him probably late first round, early second. I do believe that he's a guy that once teams start to get a chance to watch him and scout him more, that his name could start to skyrocket as we get closer to draft time. Any any uh, player in make a comp um, with him on? Who? That's a tough one. I think maybe at his best, he could be like a Chandler Parsons type player. And I feel like with Chandler Parsons, he was just a few years away from being a, you know, a really, really high level NBA player. I mean, he was, I think he was like 6'9", 6'10", could handle the ball. You could play in pick and rolls. He could shoot. Unfortunately, injuries robbed him of his prime. But I, I think there's some similarities between him and friends. All right. Who's your next guy? Uh, after him. Anybody else that you think should be cracking the first round? First round is tough. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'd have anybody else in the first round. Maybe, and I, I might butcher this name, um, Rocco Prakachin from Sabona. He, his name is, you know, I've seen him as a mid first round pick on some boards and I've seen him, you know, mid second round. Um, but I, I like him a lot. I think that he has an interesting skill set. I mean, he, one, he can, you know, serve as an energy guy. I think that he has some upside as a shooter, can play in the post a little bit. Um, but I think that he's one of the more intriguing prospects in this draft or the international class also. He, he's interesting, too, because he's actually putting up some significant numbers uh, as well uh, in, in Croatia right now. And whenever you're thinking about a 6'10 guy, um, again, very, very young, doesn't turn 19 until November 26th, just to kind of put him in perspective, uh, and came off a huge game the other night, 38 points, 10 rebounds, uh, six for eight shooting from three against Zadar. Uh, is, what's, what's the downside when you're talking about a player like him? Is, it, is his lack of elite athleticism or quickness? Uh, is streaky his, his shooting's been streaky but he certainly doesn't seem to be afraid to let it fly <laughs> it's funny you said that when i looked at my notes that was one of the first things i said is that this he doesn't lack confidence and there was a game where he their team was leaving him open and he missed a lot of his shots but he still was shooting and letting it fly like he was five for five um but yeah i mean i i think that he's a fairly good athlete well, I should say he looks to finish everything around the rim with a dunk when he gets the opportunity. Um, he may not be like super quick twitch. I mean, he's not like Greg Brown or anything like that. But I, I do think that he's a, a pretty good athlete and has a game for the modern NBA. He can face up. He has decent footwork. He runs the floor. Um, like I said, I like the upside as a shooter. And especially as a, I think he's a pretty good pass out of the high post also. Let's talk about another, another prospect um, that seems to have varying degrees of buy-in um, from NBA uh, teams right now. Um, uh, Rokas Yokobaitis, uh, the point guard out of Lithuania, um, who seems to be the consummate European floor leader point guard, but some questions about his shooting and his athleticism at the next level. I, mean, I thought he should have came out last year. I thought he had a very hot streak towards the end of last season. And, um, you know, I just thought that especially last year's draft was considered a little bit weaker. 
And I thought that if he would have came out last year, he would have been drafted. But I like him 6'4". I'm biased a little bit because I'm left-handed, but I think he has a high IQ. He's steady, likes to play under control. I've been watching him for, man, I want to say like four years now. Four, yeah, four years now. So um, I think the first time I saw him play was at one of the, maybe it was Adidas Next Generation Tournament during the Final Four in 2000, I guess it was 2016, so maybe five years now. And then I felt like he kind of really made a name for himself when he went head to head with LaMelo Ball and I felt like he outplayed him as far as like his weaknesses. Yeah. The, the lack of athleticism, he doesn't have a right hand at all. I thought Killian was left-hand dominant, but he might be even more left-hand dominant than Killian Hayes. Of course, like he doesn't have the vertical pop and in order for him to get to the rim, he, he needs a screen. And, but I think that he's, Man, it's tough because I think that he has NBA potential, but I wouldn't be shocked to see him just end up being like a, a very, very high level guard in the Euro League for the rest of his career. Anybody else that we're we're sleeping on right now that we should be taking a, a closer look at? Um, the out of France is Yuhan or Begarin. I think that he had. I shouldn't say. I think he has the the size, the athleticism. He has all the physical tools that NBA teams look for. I don't think he's as skilled as the other players that we've mentioned, but just with his, you know, athleticism, he's 6'5". I think he's more of a, a two than a one. I think that he has a shot just because, I mean, he's he just has some things that you can't teach. And so I think a team with a good development program would, would, would take a risk on him and see if they can mold him into an NBA player. All right. Overall, where would you rank this international draft class among the ones that you scouted last year? Is this, is this good? Is it mediocre? Uh, where did, where were underrated? Where would you put it? You know, that's kind of tough to say. Um, I mean, I think it's a good class. It doesn't have, at least in my opinion, it, it doesn't have like your, your Luka Doncic. Um, but I, I, mean, I think it's a, a good class. I mean, like I said, I think Garuba will be a pretty good role player. I think um, Shingun, if he, I, I think he's an NBA starter. So I think you should be able to get at least four guys, I, I believe, that should be able to, you know, maybe play four or five years in the NBA out of this class. I know you don't just draft or just, just scout international prospects. So I'm just going to put you on the spot at the end. Who's your number one pick in this draft? Oh, Kay Cunningham. It's uh, I think he's in a tier by himself. Oh, really? Okay, this is a no-brainer for you. Cade Cunningham, every team, no matter who gets the number one pick, they're taking Cade Cunningham first? I believe so. I mean, I think if Minnesota has the number one pick, they have, you know, some, uh, <laughs> they have some tough decisions to make because there's a lot of redundancy there with, with the guys that they have on the roster. But yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm taking Cade, whether I'm Detroit or, or Orlando, Oklahoma City, Cleveland, Sacramento, Orlando. Yeah, even like Toronto, I would take Kate number one. And then who's your second guy off your board then after Kate Cunningham? I think I'll go with Mobley, even though there's a lot of concerns or questions about whether or not, you know, a big, if you can build around a big. But I mean, I'm, I'm looking at the two top MVP candidates this year are, well, I mean, I guess both of them weren't even born in the United States, but are bigs. So I think with Jokic and Embiid, I think Mobley is very skilled. I think he has the potential to be a, you know, a very impactful two-way player. 
So I, I would take him number two. But then again, if you're Minnesota, I think he's more of a center than a four. And I've seen some people say he's a four. So I think it'd be an interesting fit with Cat. But yeah, outside of Minnesota, I, w- I would definitely take him number two. He's Raphael Barlow. His website is nbadraftjunkies.com. He's also the host of a new podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On NBA Draft. You can catch him as the host on Monday and Thursdays. Thanks so much for coming on and and talking and breaking down some international prospects with us on the NBA Big Board. No problem. Thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. And you can read more about these international prospects on my website, www.nbabigboard.com. International Men of Mystery uh, is the article, and you can see the breakdown of them. There's a ton of scouting reports coming out right now uh, on the website. And and very soon, we're going to do a G League uh, feature, and that's going to be great as well. You've been listening to Chad Ford's NBA Big Board on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Aloha. Aloha.